welcome to our new season of the Reach Next Generation podcast. I'm Grace Jeffries, and I'm thinking about my future. To help me with this, I'm speaking to successful women to get an understanding of the challenges they've faced throughout their careers, how they overcame them, and what tips they for girls of my age. Today, my guest is Tori Cadogan, who is the education editor at Tatler, one of Condé Nast's biggest titles. As Tatler's education editor, Tori will write and edit the annual Tatler School Guide. This is published within the October edition of Tatler magazine, and it reviews the UK's top 250 independent schools and also features key issues and voices in, in education too. Tori is also on the board of trustees at the Anna Freud Centre. Thanks for joining me today, Tori. Can we start by you telling us all how your career took you to the role that you have today? Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm really, really grateful for the opportunity. Um, my career, I think I was lucky that I always knew I wanted to work in broadcasting. Mm-hmm. I wasn't quite sure that, which sounds weird because you've just introduced me as someone who's in magazines. But so my career actually started in television mm-hmm. and I worked at somewhere called Big Breakfast. And it was yeah. coming to call Planet 24. And from there, I did a political program. I moved to their political programming. And then after a bit of time in post-production, I then went to BBC Westminster, mm-hmm. which I absolutely loved. I had this amazing opportunity to work on the region's desk, which is where we just cut and edited bits from Parliament each day that related to what was happening in the different areas of the UK. And I really wanted to go out and start doing interviews with politicians. And my boss at the time said, you really need to get your law before we can allow you to do that. Because with journalism, it's really important that you're legally aware of what you can and can't do. So I then reapplied to do a postgraduate diploma at City University. And I had the most amazing law professor there. And then from there, I did a bit All the way through that course, I worked actually at BBC Entertainment doing a programme called Parkinson, which you probably haven't heard of, but um, he interviewed loads of really famous people. It was really amazing. And then after that, I went to Newsroom Southeast, uh, which was a regional TV programme that was, you know, great fun, really good to learn at. And then from there, I went, it moved into BBC London and I was their region so the regions had network producers in each thing so I became a senior producer for news gathering in London so that meant I was a field producer I did loads of exciting things court cases bombs riots all this stuff and it was amazing and then after that I actually took a motherhood break and then I came back I my daughter had um very bad dyslexia and she was having a really tough time getting help and I thought gosh if I'm, you know, having a hard time helping her and supporting her and getting the support she needs. It must be tough for lots and lots of other parents out there. And I really miss the voice that journalism gives you. So I pitched to write to the incoming new editor of Tatler called Richard Denon, who's an amazing man. And he said, yes, but will you consider coming in as my education editor? And I thought, Crikey, it's quite a change to go from broadcasting, motherhood break, to them editing a, a magazine, especially one that everyone loves so much um, as Tatler and the School's Guide. And anyway, I just thought, give it a go, see how you go. And I think I'm on my sixth 
guide now. So um, and I love it. So I feel very lucky. Wow, you've had quite an interesting journey from, you know, where you started off to where you are now. A lot of different, differing, you know, um, jobs and roles you had to play. Yeah. Yeah. I think the journalism flows through it, mm-hmm. but just in the different ways that it comes across, if that, if that makes in different ways of telling the story. So it's yeah. all kind of the same thing, but in a yeah different format. Well, you mentioned that you had a rough idea of what you wanted to be when you were a little bit young, and you mentioned broadcasting, um, which is quite similar to what you do today. But did you have any other ideas of potential careers? Did you maybe know what you wanted to do specifically, or did that happen later in life? Um, it's quite weird. My mum was desperate for me to be an engineer, actually. <laughs> That's what all my family did. And... So I think it was that sort of thing of wanting to appease your parents, but not feeling it was right at all. Yeah. And I was actually lucky enough. I went traveling and during that time I worked and did a lot of TV work. Uh, and that just really kind of sealed my focus that that was definitely a hundred percent where I was going to try, but it just felt like such an impossible career to get into. Um, yeah. I didn't have any family working in TV. I didn't have any contact, you know, I didn't have any guide or mentor, so it just felt really hard, but it was just lots and lots of applications, lots and lots of work, trying to get work experience. And then once you get that experience, do some work experience, trying to get the odd freelance shift as a runner, and then just working your way up, really. Um, and so that was very much my my approach. Um, and I think I just had that focus, uh, and having that focus, just made all the difference for me I think because it meant when I went to interviews and things they could really see that that was what I wanted to do and um, that I was very passionate about it yeah well I think it's definitely good to have a maybe not a completely set and sewn idea of what you want to do but at least kind of you know the path that you want to take I 100% agree Grace I think I think also be open to change. Like, mm-hmm. I think you can go into something thinking, oh, that's what I'm going to do and that's how it's going to. And then other opportunities come up and it leads to other things. And that's just the really wonderful adventure in life. And yeah. I think you can only have that if you have a really nice open mindset and you're just open to what opportunities come. Yeah. So you mentioned that you went to City University, but how important do you think it actually is to go to university especially with different schemes that many different companies you know offer to young people nowadays I think it's really interesting you ask that and I, I'm sure everyone says to you that it really depends on what you want to be because some some different careers really require a degree and some don't but I think there's this massive generational shift and I think you guys and your generation really need to re-educate my education because the situation that you are coming into is so seismically different yeah. from where we were at. You know, we we didn't have to pay any tuition fee. Mm-hmm. We uh, Students could apply for a grant if they needed support, financial support, or we could get a student loan. So, and that student loan, we didn't have to pay off until we were earning a sort of livable wage. 
So it's completely different from you guys. You know, you've got to pay a minimum of 9,000 plus a year for your tuition fees and you've got your living costs. And I think, you know, I'm hearing a student coming out with 50,000 pounds worth plus of debt. So, of course, lots of students are saying, hang on, I, I can't afford to do that. I don't want to do that. I want to go straight into a career. Opportunities are coming up to do apprenticeships and to learn in the job. And I think my age group who are now looking at lots of CVs and employing young people need to really be much more open minded about this and say, well, hang on a minute. It's perfectly justifiable to not go to university now and not have a degree because it's so unaffordable for some. And we need to just look at all their work experience and say, well, hang on. You know, they've they've been working all this time doing lots of different things and that life skill uh is just as valuable and you know that's also a wonderful thing so i think it's really just a generational shift in mindset that's needed and i'm sure hopefully everyone will will get on board with that in time yeah so the world is changing let's be honest very quickly mm. and also a lot at the same time um what do you think work for women may look like say in 10 years time or what do you maybe hope it may look like i think it's really interesting because i think you guys are much more bilingual in the future than we are i think so many so many jobs especially in in like i look at journalism and you know, it's all about social media now. It's all about and whatever new social media has just come on the block. Then, yeah. you know, people of my age, we're trying to learn it in kind of retrospect. Whereas for you guys, it's just completely normal. It's like <laughs> it, you don't even have to think twice about it. And so I think, you know, there's certain roles that you're just so ahead of us. You're just yeah. so, you know, technologically fluent where we are sort of a bit clunky and learning and so I think that is just ne- just absolutely going to be the future I also really believe that there's going to be much more sort of multi-working like you might have so many different roles and do maybe lots of different things I, I don't think there's going to be so much of the fixed career path um, and finally I think you know with I think with AI and, you know, it's a big discussion point at the moment and social media, I think creativity is going to be as important as ever. So I think it's so important that we celebrate the arts. I think it's so important that we encourage kids to really uh, not think twice about doing A-levels or BTECs in creative subjects. I think it's going to be super important uh, going forward. Yeah, definitely. I I agree. I see in I don't see it. I'm not a future teller, but mm-hmm. I can I can imagine a world in 10 years time that's just completely technology focused. And I think with the advance of technology, I think many people will not be forced to change the role they play in their job. But I think there'll definitely be a lot of change, um, mm-hmm. both for men and women working um but it sounds it sounds interesting it sounds like a world that has a lot of opportunities so looking forward to it (laughs) Mm, definitely so throughout your career have you had any mentors or have there been anyone that you particularly admire 
gosh, there's so many people I admire. Would I? I don't think I've specifically had mentors, mm-hmm. um, and I wish I had because I think it's it's such a brilliant, brilliant way uh, to help young people come through and and to support them through the mistakes because we're all going to make mistakes, and sometimes you need someone higher up to say, "Don't worry about it." You know, I know it seems like the end of the world now, but it's not. It's fine, and learn from it and move forward. But I think where I was really lucky as a uh, producer was I would be out in the field with some of the world's top journalists. I mean, unbelievably experienced uh, journalists who and camera crews and and other producers. And so I think it was just like the best learning experience in the world because I would, you know, go off to some story and a different a different reporter would come or correspondent would come out for each program so you get someone for the one o'clock news someone for the six o'clock news someone for the 10 o'clock news someone for news 24 maybe someone for bbc world someone for radio you know so and you'd be there maybe going say you had a big court case you'd all be there and you'd all be discussing it and you'd be watching how different programs would develop a story and take it on and then maybe you'd be covering something for a couple of days or maybe weeks or maybe months and you'd watch that progression and you'd see how the different correspondents uh weave that into the story and developed it and so it was just unbelievably brilliant learning every day um I was incredibly lucky and the same kind of things happened at Condé Nast you know I came in very new to magazines and everyone's just been so generous and kind with explaining things and um and I think it's just again I've probably repeated myself but it comes back to that sort of having an open mindset and saying to people can you explain this or that's a bit different for me and I just you know people are always very happy to help if you ask them so um I think yeah I've been lucky definitely so as part of our Reach Next Generation Summits, we look at diversity and opportunity for young girls from the black and minority communities. Can you tell me a little bit about how your organisation is attracting people from these different types of background? Yeah, 100%. And so important. I'm incredibly proud to work at Condé Nast, who are an absolute leading light in equal opportunities and embracing diversity. They're just you know, an incredible uh, organisation. Um, and in our small part at the Tatler Schools Guide, we um, we do this uh, like amazing thing each year where we have um, the student, I ask students to give me their viewpoint on things. So we have a student, student voices piece. And the first one I did was following Black Lives Matter um, was our students for their experience at school of diversity and inclusion and what's helped what hasn't helped what they would like to see different you know all these kind of things the following year we did neurodiversity which I think is a really important aspect that we need to consider at all we all all our brains are different we all learn differently and we need to celebrate all those different brain types and and I think so that was really amazing hearing how education helps some kids and how it was a bit of a blocker for others and then I can't tell you what we've done this year, but it's really, really cool. And um, anyway, that's it's all done now. So it's going to be out in October. And <laughs> that'll be that. So do you still have any personal or professional ambitions? 
Yeah, always, 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 always. I think, um, so for me, I've been very excited to be able to do some travel journalism, uh, which I never in my wildest dreams thought I would have the opportunity to do. And that's been an incredible side of um, being at Tatler. And I've gone to Bhutan and done a wonderful piece on that. And I've been Amsterdam and Sri Lanka, all these different amazing countries. So that's been a really really wonderful side of things um and then I'm just in the process of setting up a business a uh, top city law firm approached me and said would I do some education consultations or help their families that are moving over from abroad into uh schools and I just think wow I never thought I would ever have my own business I'm a journalist you know but actually I suppose I spent my whole life talking to headmasters visiting schools I, I know them inside out. I'm lucky enough to speak to all the students, hear their viewpoints. And so it actually feels a very natural thing to help people and guide them with the insider knowledge that only, you know, working at the Tatler Schools Guide you get. So yeah. um, it's it's really been, yeah, it's great. It's very exciting, but a bit scary, but great. <laughs> what tips would you give girls when they start to think about their careers and their futures? Because I know that many people who are listening to this could be a little bit, you know, unsure on what they want to do and could be a little bit, you know, between different ideas. What advice would you give for that? Uh, okay, so I think, A, believe in yourself and trust your gut instinct. You know, you're going to know whether something feels right quite quickly. And I think to go with that, I think um, really have an open mind and give opportunities a chance. You know, it. It might not seem like the perfect job uh, when you first go for it, but I think that doesn't mean that when you get there, you won't absolutely love it or it won't lead to other exciting things or be a platform for great stuff. So I think, you know, really have that open mindset. Never underestimate how much a really positive can-do attitude combined with hard work can really, really help you progress in a career. I think, you know... There's nothing we love more than someone who has just that really kind of, yeah, positive um, can do. So that's really important. And, yeah, just enjoy it. I mean, I love, love my career. And I think it's really important for me uh, to, to work and, and I really enjoy it. So I think, yes, sort of, um, I mean, it's always a bit naff when people say, oh, find something you love or whatever. But, you know, because there's, it's not going to be like every day is not going to be great. Like there are going to be some bad days and good days and all that. But I think go with the flow, except that they're going to be highlights and not so great times. But it's if overall you're enjoying it, then, you know, really stick with it. I think that's some brilliant advice. So. Earlier, I mentioned that you are one of the trustees at the Anna Freud Centre. Can you tell me a little bit about that specific organisation and your role in that organisation? Gosh, so it is, I think, one of the greatest honours of my life to be a trustee there. It is one of the um, UK's leading mental health charities with the mission to uh, ensure that young people grow up uh, and have the resources and the help they need to grow up and to be mentally healthy. And it, it's one of those um, places that has so many different aspects to it that it's sort of quite hard for me to distill it for you. But it, it does everything from all the kind of training in schools, 
So all the kind of mental health programs and at the moment we're trying to create a curriculum to help prevent mental health issues from forming. So uh, aimed at 11 year olds, um, we'd do a six part program teaching them about what's I don't like to use the term normal, but you know, what mentally healthy, what is mentally healthy and, and what is not. So things like anxiety. I think there has been a lot of um, young people going on TikTok and they hear about anxiety and they immediately presume that it's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. But actually, if you speak to the experts, they'll say, well, of course, you're going to be a bit anxious before an exam. It would be mentally unhealthy to not be anxious before an exam. But if you are so anxious that you can't get out of bed, then that is not healthy and you need support. But most people, it's going to be that they just feel it's just very worried before an exam. And that also helps you sort of spurs you on to do more revision and to be hyper focused. And it's actually quite a positive thing. So I think we're trying to kind of make sure that kids are accepting of what the flow of emotions are and don't worry if they're feeling something that actually shows that their system's working really, really well. So, but there's so many different aspects to it. There's an amazing school there uh, that helps some of uh, some very traumatized families um, sort of come, go back into normal education systems. Uh, there are literally a million different aspects. I'm very lucky I'm with some other incredible trustees. And um, yeah, so it's, it's a wonderful thing. <laughs> so just quickly, if you could spend an hour just chatting to three people, say, over a coffee or a tea, whatever's up to your fancy, um, who would they be and why? OK, so uh, I recently met the BBC's chief international correspondent, Lise Doucette, and that was very amazing. And I would love to sit back down with her for another coffee because she was so inspirational. I was a bit starstruck and I didn't really sort of taught much sense um I think Michelle Obama is just like amazing so obviously I'm sure everyone says her but um I think she's incredible and I think I would also quite like to meet whoever's the current education minister or the secretary of state for education I think it's um currently Gillian Keegan but it's changed so much recently and I think there's so much work that needs to be done um, in and around neurodiversity, in and around mental health, in and around different ways of learning. I, I feel education changes very, very slowly. And um, whereas, you know, the rate of change, as you've said a couple of times, is super fast. So I, I feel it would be great to sit down and to try and get con- some con- um consistency in yeah. uh our path forward with education brilliant i think those are some great people to you know have a chat to and they sound all very interesting too <laughs> so finally what would you say are your non-negotiables so the things that you just will not compromise on in both your personal and your professional life yeah i think um i think it's really interesting the discussions around boundaries and non-negotiables I think it's so great that we are now very conscious of that I think 
that wasn't around when I was first working. And I think it's so much more healthy that that is now in place. I think for me, kindness, trust, respect. And I think with journalism, it's just absolutely the non-negotiable is that we can be trusted to tell a story with complete honesty and clarity. And I think there is so much misinformation out there that it is more important than ever that there is a non-negotiable honesty from certain news outputs. So if my daughters say watch something on TikTok, they could go to the BBC or ITN or Sky News and verify what they have just heard to be sure that what they've seen is actually true, is actually happening. And I think it makes our, our news outlets so, so precious and important. And I think it's really key that the non-negotiable is honesty. And I think any young people listening, there's an amazing journalist called Ross Aitken on the BBC, and he does these short explainers of stories. So if ever you sort of hear something, you think, oh, I'm not sure that's quite, I'm not quite understanding that. He does these short explaining videos and they're brilliant. So that's well, I, I think that's really good to have honesty because without honesty, you never really know what to think. <laughs> yeah. It can all be a bit confusing. So I think exactly. that's that's a great thing to have both for yourself and for everyone, of course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think completely. Yeah. Well, I've really enjoyed chatting with you today, Tori. Thank you so, so much. And I'm sure everyone listening will now be thinking about some of the choices they could and they are about to make in their own careers and their lives. Keep listening to the Reach Next Generation podcasts as I talk to many more brilliant women. And more details about us and our upcoming summits are at reachnextgeneration.com. Thank you to our sponsors and partners, Barclays, Domestic in General, AJ Bell, all Saints, Kellogg's, The Vita Group, and City in the Community. Yeah.